Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back, folks, with Christmas cheer and veritable merriment, Robin. Where's your, what's your merriment level? Merriment level is... it's a high. It's a seven. Is it a seven? Yeah. We're recording this before Christmas, and... What, We're not recording you... anything, Robin. We're just oh, yeah, transmitting sorry. this through murmurations in the atmosphere. Oh, forgot. Yeah, sorry. Um, but we're murmurating this kind of prior to Christmas. So there are a couple of things that one does to get oneself in the merriment phase. Uh, you know, and one of them for me is like, you know, I always watch The Office Christmas Special. Alan Partridge, Knowing Me, Knowing Yule. Muppets Christmas Carol. What are your go-to merry inducers? I I do like watching uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I came quite late to that, so it's not really a tradition yet, but I've probably watched it the last three years. It's surprisingly long, isn't it? It's quite a long It is film. surprisingly long. Yeah. Hmm. As, well, we mentioned this in the little patreon only session but i do have my um i do have my office christmas party oh, for yeah. myself yes lovely i'll probably watch the office christmas specials because i've been watching an awful lot of um the american office i haven't watched the uk office for a long time yeah and do you know what i just for me it's i, I just kind of like walking around and observing other people's christmas fun um, I'll go for sort of late night walks. <laughs> what, looking through people's windows? No, from the, from the outside in, windows. not from the inside out. You're not going into people's houses and looking out through the windows. You are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would take a lot of explaining. I just want yeah. to come into your house to look out of the window. <laughs> right, so you like sort of um, being a voyeur on merriment. Yeah, like a Christmas merriment voyeur. Uh, <laughs> a CMV. Yeah. To be honest, I just want to get through this Christmas. <laughs> I just, Christ. if I could just get through December, I'll yeah. be so happy. Sure. Um, I like watching In Bruges. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, is, En Bruges. Uh, en Bruges. I mean, that is, um, I feel that's a Christmas movie in the way that, you know, people say, oh, Die Hard's Christmas, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I think In Bruges is a good Christmas movie. But yeah, I think we've touched on this a few times in this, that Christmas might not be a merry time for everyone. Um my friend Phil once spent a Christmas alone and had KFC on Christmas Day and said it was the best Christmas he'd ever spent. <laughs> but, you know. Would well, you know, I've just started reading um, My Year of Rest and Relaxation. Oh, I love that book. 
Did you feel... This is the thing, though. I, I sort of was like, oh, I love that, but I would love to do that. And people were like, what? You're not meant to, like, empathise with her kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So what's your reading of it? Well, I'm only... I'm not very far in. Uh, I finished My Phantoms by Gwendolyn Riley the other day, which just absolutely blew me away. And Pond. I love Plot Pond as well. Claire, Claire Louise Bennett. Claire Louise Bennett, which mm. was superb. I have to say, I, I, I'm not a drug taker, so the idea of taking drugs to make me sort of sleep and lethargic, I don't like that idea, but I do like her idea of just sort of being somehow independently wealthy and just lying on a sofa for a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's more to do with where I'm at in my mind. Sure, sure, you know, I don't want to sure. do that full time. Do you, one day I'd maybe like a Christmas alone. That sounds, of course I don't. That would be depressing. God, I'd be so upset. Well, but sort know, of part of people. it is that sort of the, the lack of stress would be quite mm. nice. Yeah, yeah. What's the lack of driving? Yeah. Right. I mean, but going back to the the Gwendolyn Riley book, I mean, she's a fantastic writer. We've included her on the pub library before. But her new book, and I suppose this will key into some people's experiences of Christmas, unfortunately, is about a very, very strained relationship between a mother and a daughter. And the way she writes about it and that dialogue, it's she writes brilliantly the kind of dialogue where it's like people aren't really listening to each other. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There's a bit where she's just sort of saying a sort of commonplace thing. She just says to her mum, oh, you're a medical miracle. And her mum says, why medical? (laughs) And it's like, well, I I just... It's a thing people say. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) It's such a... But that that sort of... why I don't know why we're talking about this. Why are we talking Mm. about this? Because I want to... I want to sleep for a thousand years. Well, you're just talking about books you've read, really. And, you, you know, yeah. you said it's a year of rest. And they're all recommendations from you. Van Morrison once said, spirit never dies. Was he true? Was he right? Was he wrong? <laughs> was he true? What, what was he? What is he? Is that Sorry, snowball gone? To... <laughs> he finished it. Finished it. Bloody hell! Yeah. The thing is, they're very. I mean, it's an alcohol that's made of eggs. I mean, I don't think it's a good idea to drink too much of it. There's a lot of sugar in it as well with the lemonade, isn't there? There's a lot. You're made of eggs. There's a lot of sugar in you. Oh, there is. Yeah, I'm not complaining. I love them. But it tastes so good. It's an absolute. And it's Christmas, for goodness' sake. Yeah, you're right. It's an absolute brain grenade, I'll though, isn't it? I'll pour myself they... another one. <laughs> another snowball? Yeah, it's not that strong. It's 17.2%. You get some wines nearly that strong. You're absolutely right, yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, anyway, folks, uh, as Van Morrison said, spirit never dies. Sure. Um, Christ. <laughs> and he was, wasn't talking about... You know, alcohol the spirit, or no. was he? Or was he just talking about the Holy Ghost? He probably was. Um, but do check out the album Common One if you want to uh, hear more about that. Uh, but here at the Moon Underwater, guests get to choose two spirits, as well as two drafts and two bottles. And we've got two smashing choices. Uh, Robin, what's your first choice? So for the spirit, I have gone... For Angela Barnes's 
Newfoundland Screech Rum, mm. which was actually something that was on the wild card. But I just thought this was just... Her anecdote about this was so good and so amazing. So it's basically about the initiation ceremony to become a Screecher. And it's uh, it's such a lovely story. And I would dearly love to try this rum. But uh, yeah, it's a, she was fantastic on the show. My wild card is a bottle of rum called Screech, Newfoundland Screech. I don't know if you've heard of Newfoundland Screech. Ooh, no. It's quite famous. So Newfoundland was famous as a, a cod fishing port and they used to trade salt cod with Jamaica for this Jamaican rum that now you can only get in Newfoundland. And when you are a person who's not from Newfoundland, so Newfoundland's a little island off the east coast of Canada. It's about the size of England and Wales. Only half a million people live there. I'm related to most of them. Is that near Nantucket? Is Nantucket in Newfoundland or am I... No, Nantucket's in America, isn't it? So it's not... Newfoundland's not a Moby Dick place. No. Newfoundland is a strange little place. So it's only... It became part of Canada in the 48, I think it was. If you go to George Street, which is the main street in um, uh, St. John's, the capital of Newfoundland, it's like you'd think you were in Dublin. It's the most Irish place outside of Ireland. And they all have... Irish accents, even though they've not... Most of my family have never been to Ireland, but they all have these mad Irish accents. My granddad, everyone, when he was over here, everyone thought he was Irish. It's a mad place. Google Newfoundland accents when we're finished and it will make your day because they're beautiful. And if you're not from Newfoundland, you're called a come from away. <laughs> in fact, there's a musical in the West End called Come From Away because it's a beautiful story of something that happened in um, Newfoundland on 9-11, but that's another thing. So um, if you're a come from away, when you go to Newfoundland, you have to be screeched in. And it's this ritual that I want to do in my pub because it's so mad. It's beautiful. So the screecher inner is a man in a full fisherman's outfit, like a sou'wester hat. He's got an oar and you have to, and they do the, these are like ceremonies that they do in selected pubs in Newfoundland. And when you go there, everyone will ask you if you've been screeched in yet and they'll book you into one of these pubs to go and be screeched in. It's a thing you have to do. <laughs> And what happens... Like getting your vaccine. Like getting your vaccine. It really is. You get a certificate and everything. <laughs> and you then, get your second screech and after you go in 12 and weeks. They, so there'll be maybe 20 people being screeched in that night, say. 20 come from away. And you go into this pub and then there'll be loads of Newfoundlanders that are just there watching you. And you all have to recite this little verse together, which goes from the waters of Avalon to the shores of Labrador. We've always stuck together with a rant and a roar. To those who've never been, soon they'll understand. From coast to coast, we raise a toast. We love thee, Newfoundland, right? And then your fisherman comes round and he says to you, is ye a screecher? And you have to say, and you have to learn this before you go in, you have to say, deed I is me old cock and long may your big jib draw which means, yes, I am, and long may your sails have wind in them. And then you have to eat a piece of what they call Newfoundland steak, which is a bit of bologna sausage. Then you have to kiss a codfish. So he then get, brings out a, an entire codfish that you have to kiss, a frozen codfish, and then you have to down a shot of screech. And then you've been screeched in. You're a, an official Newfoundlander. <laughs> There you go, Angela Barnes with her wonderful anecdote about being screeched in. Screeched in. An initiation rum. That's what's that's what we like. Those choices <laughs> where there's an there's an anecdote. Robin, yes. would you like to be screeched in? Um yes, I I, I would. I would. 
Are you are you kind of snowballed in? Would you like to be snowballed in? Are you, is it, what, how I think would you I'm be snowed in. in. You're snowed in. I think I'm snowed in from the snowballs. I've just poured the second pint of snowball, and mm. for some reason, I think this one of these was a trick can of lemonade because I have it's not enough. So I'm going to have to get another can of lemonade. Sure. Would you Would you like to be snowed in? Is that one of your pub fantasies? We saw that happened quite recently. Didn't for the it? rest of my life until about 2050, I would absolutely love to be snowed in. With anyone else there? Uh, okay. Uh, snowed in with Sherlock Holmes, Bonnie Prince Billy, and um, Monica Galletti. Monica Galletti from MasterChef. Well, me and Monica could cook. She could teach me how to cook. I could show yeah. her a few tricks. I'm sure uh, Sherlock Holmes could solve the mystery of the snow, and Bonnie Prince Billy could sing. What a treat! Forever. <laughs> yeah, we got four bedrooms. I'd do a long weekend of that, but I think. It's pushing it. I, I think I'd get after a week. I'd, I think I'd be running out of things to say to, to 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 Sherlock. Well, I think Monica would be desperate to leave. <laughs> Bonnie Prince Billy would probably tire of singing for us. But I could just Sherlock Holmes would just be like I'd be explaining the internet to him. Right. I'd be explaining you know advances in forensics. If we had the internet, I could watch Twenty Four Hours in Police Custody with Sherlock Holmes. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that'd be weird. It'd be good though. It'd be- <laughs> It would be great. <laughs> yeah, it would. That's a good idea. So this happened recently, didn't it? Did you read about this? Um, some people got snowed into a pub with an o- Oasis tribute band. I've got to be honest, that doesn't sound like a fun time. Well, I don't think it means the band have to play constantly. Sure. No, I'm sure they weren't just rocking through champagne supernova for like 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it is a long song. Yeah. Uh, snowed in, though. But anyway, spirits, what hast thou chosen? Thou, I, hast chosen uh, Danny Wallace's choice. It's another rum, so it's a double rum in the spirits corner, because uh, Danny had such a funny anecdote about why he had chosen the specific rum. Uh, it turns out he had drunkenly invested in it, so was keen to give it a plug. Um, but uh, it was such a great uh, reason to choose a spirit. So here's Danny with Stolen Rum. How into New Zealand rum are you? I used to be very, 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 very into rum to the extent that in April 2017 I had to ban rum from my house and I've never had a bottle of rum in my house since then. I probably only had since in the last four years I'd say six shots of rum out and about but it really was it was a it was a a high rum household for 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 many years but I don't think I've ever had New Zealand rum no no one has no one has which is what made it confusing when I made the decision one night to invest very heavily in a New Zealand rum company now this <laughs> wow this happened because so you're ordering ten thousand <laughs> bottles for your pub yeah this place is going to be stacked with New Zealand rum. Um, are you familiar with the author John Niven? Yes, yeah, yes. So he wrote um, "Kill Your Friends." Um, he wrote "Straight White Male." He's written uh, some amazing things, and our paths have crossed over the years. I'd always been scared of hanging out with him or, or, or meeting him for lunch because I thought someone would end up dead. I'm not surprised, but judging by the title of his book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
And uh, one day um, he said, will you interview me for a thing? And I said, yeah, of course I will. Yeah, great. But I was also um, terrified because I thought this is going to go bad. And with that in mind, we met up, we had lunch, we ate enough, we did um, have a few drinks, then we had a few more and, and, and a few more. And then it was when I was going home that I, I knew that I was meeting, my brother-in-law was going to be around for dinner. And so I was always had this thing in my head where I was like, I've got to be all right tonight because I've got to keep this going and it's got to go well, you know? And so I got back home, my brother-in-law and uh, his friend were there and we ate and uh, drank and it was fine. And the next morning I woke up thinking, I totally got away with that. I did an afternoon with John Niven and then an evening with my brother-in-law and I have no regrets. I have no guilt. There is no black clouds. There is no worry. And then I got an email from my brother-in-law just going, uh, good to see you last night. Here's the paperwork. <laughs> and uh, I didn't really, I was like, but paper, what? Huh? So I looked and I'd agreed to invest in a New Zealand rum company. Now, rum traditionally is uh, Caribbean we would say it's it's more sort of you know you think of pirates you think of you don't think of New Zealand and yet I I'd gone yes I'm in and so I looked at the kind of the paperwork and what I'd said and I looked at the kind of the marketing of it and I was like I quite like I quite like this and I've said I'll do it so I'm gonna have to do it so I did it anyway I expected this stuff to be sold everywhere immediately and as of tonight, because I checked, the only place I could find a bottle of this stuff is on a website <laughs> that's got the name Alki. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, isn't, isn't sort of, you know, it's not aspirational, is it? No. <laughs> it's not the kind of place you go, well, I get all my stuff from Alki. Were you foreseeing a situation like all those Hollywood stars who invest in a gin company and then sell it for £100 billion to Diageo? Was it, was this kind of during the Sailor Jerry rum boom? This was going against Sailor Jerry very much. You know, they wanted to get away from piracy. I remember that being there. We want to get away from the pirate thing, the whole Caribbean thing. We want this to be cool. And I was like, this is cool. This is a great thing. Uh, but Sailor Jerry is still doing a roaring trade. And uh, these guys uh, sold an Alki. So what's so is this your second spirit of choice? It is, yeah, yeah. So that I'm, what's it called? Well, I'm, I shouldn't say because then it sounds like I'm trying to drum up business. That's all right. That's fine. It's called. <laughs> so this, yeah, this, the only other spirit available <laughs> will be. It's called stolen rum, um, and um, you know it was doing very well, winning lots of prizes. Um, not so much now, but. <laughs> Um, but my pub will will sell it until people like it. Until you've made that money back, you will sell stolen <laughs> yes, rum. Exactly. <laughs> there you go, Danny Wallace, DW Delta Whiskey with stolen rum, a New Zealand rum that he invested in. I love Danny Wallace's episode, and I think his thing about white wine, which is that if you're in doubt, just get a, a Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. I, I live. I do live by that now. I mean, that is pretty solid advice. Yeah. Mm. We met recently, didn't we? And I brought a, a. What did I bring to you? A Sancerre. A Sancerre. Yeah, I love a Sancerre. Yeah. It was That's nice, great. wasn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Because I, I I walked into Majestic Wine and said my friend likes wine that's like licking a stone. <laughs> and they said, <laughs> "Go they... for this Sancerre." 
did they look at you like you're crazy or did they know what I meant? I did they know what you? No, meant? they know me in majestic wine. <laughs> right? Yeah, they know you. Not my first rodeo. <laughs> Oh, good. Very yeah, nice. But... Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there any things that you really wanted to include in this best of that didn't quite make the grade? Well, I don't think it's about making the grade. These choices, apart from Guinness, perhaps wouldn't be my choice in my perfect pub. So it's not like I'm picking what I would want to have. It was just sort of getting a nice mix of, of hashtag pub memories. Exactly, yeah. Um so I, you know, I wouldn't let Carling come within a hundred miles of my dream <laughs> pub, but uh, it's nice that Alistair Green's unique take is represented. I really like. I was going to choose instead of Alistair Green, I was going to choose Ollie Smith talking about Harvey Sussex best because the yeah the way he talked about it was so good. This idea that it's seasonal and that it changes slightly throughout the year. But also it's one that, like, I'm not a huge ale drinker, but that is one I will go for if it's on, because it's kind of... It does feel like you've got a guarantee that that is going to be a good pint. You know what I mean? Well, there's some breweries that I just instinctively trust. So Harvey's would be one, Truman's would be another, Dark Star is another, um, Gloucester Brewery... I would. I just know that what they're making is of a good quality. That I would rather drink one of their beers that perhaps isn't the style of beer I'd usually go for than a bad version of the style of beer I'd usually go for. If you know, Cloudwater's another one. Um, Ilkley. There. I mean, there are others. There are others. <laughs> Shall we open up a special little nook in the Moon Underwater pub library for a little Christmas tome? Yeah, we could have a Christmas tome in the pub library. I mean, in the pub library for Christmas, we've got, of course, Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. By Carol Christmas. Carol Christmas. (laughs) Coventry Carol. You know Coventry Carol is a hymn. It just sounds like someone from Coventry called Carol. (laughs) I am Coventry Carol. It's a very small extract from Christmas Carol. Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern. I mean, it sounds wicked. And that's before. It sounds great. (laughs) It sounds great. And that's before the kind of, you know, the big revelation and the big you know, conversion to, you know, goodwill to all men and everything. Um, But, you know, that... I'd love a melancholy tavern. It sounds like he's got it sorted before all this ghost bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he he lives... It's it's so atmospheric. I think the bit... Obviously, the whole story is amazing. But the bit before he sees Jacob Marley's ghost, the whole first couple of chapters, or staves, as they're called, I think, it's so atmospheric. Brilliant writing about London. And the, he, he lived in chambers which had once belonged to his deceased partner. They were a gloomy suite of rooms in a lowering pile of building up a yard where it had so little business to be that one could scarcely help fancying it must have run there when it was a young house playing at hide-and-seek with other houses and forgotten that way out again. 
It was old enough now and dreary enough for nobody lived in it but Scrooge, the other rooms being all let out as offices. The yard was so dark that even Scrooge, who knew its every stone, was fain to grope with his hands. The fog and frost so hung about the black old gateway of the house that it seemed as if the genius of the weather sat in mournful meditation on the threshold. I mean, it's flipping great, isn't it? So atmospheric. It's decent stuff, mate. Yeah. It's really decent stuff. He had good gear, didn't he? <laughs> he did have good gear. But I think it's, um, you know, uh, the story is so amazing. But the intro, he creates such an incredible atmosphere of that kind of cold winter, uh, you know, in London. The gloominess. Do you know what's it. amazing about Dickens? Yeah, go on. I'm just going to blow the academic literary world apart right now. No duds. No duds. Didn't have any duds. Yeah. All the books are great. <laughs> yeah. They really are. I should have just written that in my essay. All the books are great. Yeah. Imagine a band with that many good albums. Yeah. Do you not find them like sometimes like they're a bit long? And like what's I what I kind of like that about Dickens where it's like he it's almost like he can't help himself writing more and more detail, you know, and it's like you know, it almost makes it funny. I don't mind the length. Every so often, I get a little bit weary of people bumping into them each yeah, other. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. In oh, London. here's Macorber again. Yeah. Or just like you know, you haven't seen someone for ten years, and you turn the corner, and they're just sort of right in front of you. Like I, I bumped into people I know in London three or four times in six years. Well, they were popular characters, weren't they? Macorber was a popular character in David Copperfield, so I was like, oh, I'll bring him in. I'll just have him walking past. The window, you know. But then it would have been less populated then, and there would have been less places to go, so who knows. If you're into Dickens, do you ever read the John Carey book on Dickens? No, what's it called? I think it's called Violent Effigy, off the top of my bonce. But I was so lucky to see him do his Dickens lectures at university, and the one on Great Expectations absolutely blew my mind. It was just amazing. The way he kind of mind hole apart, mate. It really did, yeah. The way he talked about the kind of layers of meaning and the symbolism of it is just brilliant. He's a good egg. Well, speaking of layers of meaning, it's time for us to uh, pick our favourite jukebox selection. And despite there being two selections of Queen, technically, Hmm. um, Robin, I'm going to hand over to you for your favourite jukebox selection. Well, it's one of my favourite albums, and it was chosen by Hugh Stevens and Clint Boone, and it is Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. P.S. by the BBs. Yeah, and uh, yes, fantastic album. What are your feelings about Pet Sounds? Good album. What makes it a great album, Robin? I think it's the... It's partly how far ahead of its time it was. It's partly the incredible atmosphere of it i think it's partly the emotional honesty of it the way the lyrics can be so simple sometimes i feel very sad is one of the lyrics which always just moves me because it's just so just completely honest you know and a big key to pet sounds i think is the fact it is mono you know as you know brian wilson's famously deaf in one ear and i think there's a great art to mono because if you think you've just got one channel then everything has to sit on top of each other perfectly 
you know you can't separate anything so the great art of patch sounds is how it's this so collage like but you know it's kind of beautifully mixed because for something to make its presence known it has to be slightly louder than that thing or slightly you know what i mean so it's this incredible the way it's a kind of beautiful layer of sound i think is why it, it works so so amazingly like a lovely cake yeah like a lovely cake and even like as a huge beatles fan obviously i think pet sounds sounds so much more ahead of its time than mid period beatles including revolver actually you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Pet Sounds just sounds like it's from another universe. It's just phenomenal. So here is Hugh Stevens and Clint Boone describing why they have picked Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. I'd like to hear Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys in its entirety, please. I mean, I don't remember going into a pub and hearing an album from start, you know, being played. It's always... A jukebox, isn't it? And bits and bobs. But you go into some pubs in... Uh, I went to a few in the Netherlands where they've got like a wad of vinyl behind the bar and a turntable. It's like, wow, it's like the coolest pub ever. And I think they do that in Japan as well. I've never been, but where, you know, you get, there's certain bars where you get to pick out a record. They probably do it in like private members' bars, I should imagine. But... I think more pubs should do it, where you just get a load of CDs in the back. Because, I mean, everyone's chucking out their CDs, just take them to the pub instead. Yeah, yeah. Great idea. Donate your CDs to a pub, with a CD player, obviously. Have a nice selection. What I mean, there's, there's nothing to argue with Beach Boys Pet Sounds. Just a superb addition to the Moon Underwater Jukebox, uh, sitting alongside such other great artists as Queen and Meatloaf. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with those. I think one of my go-to albums is uh, the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds. It's already on the Moon Underwater Jukebox. Now, we can have a second copy. Oh, and chosen by the same person who chose Honey Jack Daniels. So it must be something in the Honey Jack Daniels. It was uh, Hugh, Hugh Stevens, DJ. Well, it's good continuity. I like that. Yeah, I, I mean, well, why, why I love that album is just... It's a feel-good album, isn't it? And it, I remember... When my daughter was born, she's 28 now, but I think for the first year of her life, I played it every day. As soon as we got up, we'd put it on and, and Dad was trying the front room to it. And it's just a, a, an absolutely beautiful album. And the idea of hearing it, I've never actually sit and listened to it in a pub as far as I can remember, but the idea of it being on a pub jukebox, you know, with the, the, the crackling fire and your favourite person next to you and, you know, maybe a couple of the lovely souls at the other end of the bar. It's like that, that, that beautiful music to hear in that environment. So, yeah, I'll go with that. Me, me and you, you know, we both probably love it for the same reasons. Brian Wilson said about when he made it, that album, he said, I wanted to make a record with sounds that made people loved. And it's that's what it is. It's like every, every sound in that, you know, in that spectrum, that sonic spectrum, every noise that you hear, it's just beautiful. You know, it's like just... There's nothing that hurts on it. There's nothing that's nothing that grates on it. It's just everything's beautiful. I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Adam Hurry, host of Football Clichés, a truly unique podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Twice a week, my guests and I tear apart the language of football, the words, the phrases, the mannerisms and the weird habits of everyone involved in the game. From the shoes that football pundits are legally required to wear, to the didn't play for Sam Allardyce's Bolton but really should have done 11, Football Clichés explores all the tiny things that you didn't realise you cared about, but believe me, you do. There it was, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys, and I was reminded, uh, listening to that, Robin, you were talking about the simplicity of the lyrics. Mm. Um, Brian Wilson's album, I can't remember what the album's called, but he's got a song called Forever, and one of the lyrics is, I asked the sky just what we had, it shone forever. Mm. Such a nice, so such a great lyric. Is that on Sunflower? Let me just check. No, it's not Sunflower. Song by the Beach Boys. Looking up in my mind. It is on Sunflower. Is I, it? I think it was yeah, I think it was um it's been it's on some of the like our friend Mike got a really, really good best of, which had a lot of the late sixties, early seventies stuff that you don't often hear. Oh, so is it. that not a Brian Wilson solo? Is that Beach Boys, the song Forever? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it really? He may have re-recorded well, it later down the line. Mm. As, a, as a third pint of Snowball. <laughs> Just the sound of you. God, that's so revolting. Sorry, I'm just licking the knife that I used to stir it. Um, you shouldn't. You shouldn't stir with a metal device because it takes the bubbles out, doesn't it? Is that not right? Is that why you do? I it? don't care. Okay. Do you honestly think I care about that? <laughs> You've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> I've got bigger fish to fry, mate. Um, next up, <laughs> I can't believe that. I don't care. <laughs> next up comes. Our choice of wild card drink. And it's so nice to have a wild card. The wild card is the pivot. 
Mm. The wild card is where our guests can really express themselves. Yes, indeed. Just sort of unfettered by format. They can go crazily. And the wild card I've chosen is from quite a recent episode because it had such a beautiful story uh, attached to it. And Mike Bubbins, when he came on, I know Mike, I've known Mike for years. He's a wonderful guy to be with. He's a wonderful guy to go to the pub with. But he has such wonderful hidden depths as well. And Mike spoke very beautifully about his sadly departed friend, and the memories he had around some of the drinks he chose. So I'd recommend you all go and listen to the episode with Mike. But his wildcard choice of a bloody Caesar contained a really superb hashtag memory. Right, now this is a drink that sounds disgusting. Again, I'm flying 4,000 miles west, going to Canada. A lot of your a lot of your heart is in Canada, isn't it? A lot of it is in there, yeah. Especially when it comes to being, you know, a single man and and, uh, and, a, and a pub man. So this is a drink that I was first came to my attention in Toronto with a friend I live with there, over there called Craig Marshall, who sadly passed away last year. A very very good mate of mine, great pubman, great rugby player, and a good friend. Uh, introduced me to a, to a drink which at first I didn't like, called a Bloody Caesar or a Caesar cocktail. Uh, and then when I moved uh, over to Calgary, it was a very big drink there because it, it originates apparently from the Caesar Steakhouse in Calgary. But a Canadian cocktail, there's not many Canadian cocktails, but this is one. So the Bloody Caesar is almost a Bloody Mary. So it's vodka and it's Tabasco and it's Worcester sauce. But instead of tomato juice, it's something called Clamato, which is, strap in folks, reconstituted clam broth and tomato mixed Okay, so it's it's sort of Bloody Mary meets prawn cocktail. Yes. I've never thought, you know, I'm having a cocktail and thought, I wish this tasted this more of fish. This, <laughs> this isn't fishy enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, no one has, Robin. This is the yeah. thing. But this is why at first I didn't like it. So yeah. it's an acquired taste. When you, when you get into it, I have to get um, a couple called Mott's make Clamato. I have, to, I have to go on Amazon and buy, and it's quite cheap to buy in Canada, but to get it imported over here costs more than the booze sometimes. But Mott's Clamato juice. So vodka, Clamato, Worcester sauce, Tabasco. And then you frost the glass with celery salt over ice with a stick of celery. I don't like celery. I don't mind celery salt, but I'm going to pick that. We talk about having a drink and, and, and uh, it's not just about the booze, it's about enjoying it, it's about... It's about memories very quickly I want to mention that when I was with when I was with Craig playing rugby as a young man I was probably 22 and Craig would have been late 20s we played rugby a uh, rugby cup called Brock in Ontario in a place called Blackwater Ontario where they've made their own rug- rugby pitch in the middle of the sort of woods up there these lads and we had a great game of rugby very tough game of rugby uh, in the middle of the summer hot and sweaty tough and their clubhouse they built themselves it was like a like a cabin. And then out, there was no there was no indoor shower. The shower was a, was essentially a hose pipe on the outside of the, of the back of the clubhouse, and a gravel pit, and then a little picket fence for privacy, in the middle of a pine forest. So you've played rugby, and you've stripped off. You're you're you're, you're outdoors. You're in the middle of a pine forest in the sunshine, having a shower, breathing in that lovely pine. With your friends and with with your, with the teammates and with the other team, drinking a drink there, drinking a a, a beer after the game, yeah, usually usually a Molson Canadian. I remember Craig turning to me and say, "Mikey, this is as good as it gets." 
And I thought, you know what, Craig, you're absolutely right, because I had my mates, I had a bit of rugby, I had the sunshine, I had the, the smells of the forest, I had a cold beer. Anyway, so a bloody Caesar or a Caesar's cocktail, I always raise to Craig, so I'm going to pick that as my wild card, if I may. Oh, with, with great honour, you can pick that as your wild card. What an incredible memory you have there, and what a treat to be able to, to drink that drink and remember good times with a, a, a friend sadly missed. There it was, Mike Bubbins there, with a very moving uh, reason for choosing a Bloody Caesar, a drink I've never had, but I will seek out at the earliest possible opportunity. Yeah, we need to have a fishy Bloody Mary at some point soon. You're barred. But what would Christmas be without banning something? <laughs> probably ban Christmas next. Um, no, they won't. No, no one has ever done that. Um, uh, despite what the press might make you think. <laughs> Bit of satire there. That's um, good. But Robin, which uh, barring have you chosen for our selection? Well, I really liked, for our live show with Will Hodgson, a fantastic comedian from Chippenham, what he barred was non-regulars in December. And this is a seasonal one. I think this is great. Yeah. You go to a pub and it's full of office parties with people who haven't like don't really know pubs. It's fine. I'm not getting annoyed with them. They're having a nice time. But it's kind of it's amateur hour. You know, get on with it. Why is it taking so long to get served? Keep the noise down. Well also it's people who as will attests haven't put in the hard yards with that specific pub, so why do they get to ruin it at a time of year when everyone else should be able to enjoy it the most? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think Will is just, I mean, it's a cliche saying funny bones, isn't it? But Will is one of the most naturally funny people I think I've ever met. And I could just listen to him talk. Uh, you know, he's just fantastic. You kind of just set him off. You just gently prod him in one direction and about 20 minutes later, you've ended up somewhere. <laughs> like, you know, it's usually something to do with Chippenham, but he's so funny. He's so knowledgeable as well. He's really worth following on social medias, on Instagram and Twitter, because he's so funny and so knowledgeable about kind of pop, you know, popular culture and kind of, and, um, kind of youth culture and tribal kind of culture as well. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's, just, he's just a fantastic bloke. What am I barring from my pub? Yeah. All non-regulars for the entire month of December into early January. Nice. Oh, what a what an amazing choice. All of them. Amateur part-time drinks. I don't care how many good Facebook posts there have been like this. I'm having more. I'm entitled to my say. People like me have been silenced for too long and that's why we've all, the country's gone mental because they've oppressed our, our sincerely held concerns about this kind of this kind of thing. No, seriously, you got, it's the it's what the people, the pubs, even before COVID, this is the thing, people aren't, people are sort of sweeping under the carpet. Before COVID, before the plague and all that, pubs were in serious shit. And it's because of various things. Some people say the smoking ban, some say all this. What it was, it's, it's fucking amateur drinkers. It's people that is patio drinkers. It is people who go, let's not go to the pub and enjoy all this. Let's stand there with a pair of salmon shorts on, being fucking smug and having a bit, having a fucking half-assed barbecue and drinking supermarket bought 
booze because it is cheaper and standing there and going, isn't this civilised while the fucking pub industry goes to the fucking wall? And then when it comes to Christmas, there they are tied Christmas. I used to, when I was, a, when you're a kid, Christmas, a time of joy and excitement. And you think of it like as like presents and like uh, 70s glam rock records and all of that. As an adult, I just think Christmas thing just like, I just an image in my head, two cokeheads in Christmas jumpers battering each other and a woman with a black coat, one of those big fur collars, crying on the steps of the black horse. <laughs> that was Will Hodgson describing why he has decided to bar non-regulars in December. Uh, a great choice for something to ban from your pub. What would you ban from your pub in December? Everyone, just have a think. No need to text in. Oh, okay. You can't text (laughs) in, but no need to text in. Just think about it in your mind. Maybe write it down on a bit of paper. What are you going to do for New Year's Eve, John? I think Ellis might come round. Oh, nice. Every every New Year's Eve when my relationships have ended, Ellis comes round. What do you mean, every? Well, the last two. Oh, Jesus. Well, I was going to say a few... I, no, I, it's very sweet. I I find those sort of um, small acts of uh, kindness incredibly moving. I have mm. to say, so yeah. yeah, Christmas two thousand, no, New Year's Eve two thousand and sixteen. Ellis and Izzy came round. Uh, Christmas twenty twenty one. Ellis and Izzy will come round. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, if you wanted, if you if if you wanted to do, you know, if you're at a loose end. Uh, you know, you're welcome to come around here, of course, as well. And um, but let's oh, have that's a. Very kind. Why don't we have a? You know, let's let's have a Christmas drink sometime soon. Oh nice. yes, yes please. Yes, but let's do it in January. <laughs> yeah, that's Good one of my favourite things is sort of postponing Christmas drinks until January when you're depressed. <laughs> yeah, are you not? Are you not going to do dry Jan? Are you doing? Well, there's the problem, Robin. I realised I've booked in all these Christmas drinks for January, and I usually do dry January. So there's a. Why don't we meet up like between Christmas and New Year sometime? That uh, is yes, quite please. quietened down by then, isn't it? But yeah, I'm going to give dry Jan a go, with the exception of it's a friend's birthday in the first week. Yeah, I've got two events in January which I might need to drink for. But at the end of the day, if I do 29 days off booze in January, that's pretty good going. Yeah, for sure. Yes, and good luck to anyone else attempting dry Jan. It's, uh, you, you do get a lot of, like, naysayers going on about it. Ignore them. It's a really good oh, thing to totally do, I totally ignore them. Idiots. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who tries to throw alcohol on your bonfire of dry January, tell them to S off, that sod off. Um <laughs> Because it's a really important thing, and if if you want to change your drinking habits or you want to address your drinking, that's really important. So don't listen to them. I once had someone say to me, and this was about like January the nineteenth, and they'd had a lot to drink, and they said, uh, "Go on, you can just have one." Mm. And I said to them, "I've made a decision not to drink, and I really need you to respect that." Mm. And they were very very apologetic, and they were like, "Yeah, yep, that's absolutely fine." So just find a phrase before you mm. head out. If you are heading out to a social engagement, just find a phrase, stick to it like a limpet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it is like, I think it is about forcing yourself to kind of break those small habits. So, you know, it, it is just about like getting through, you know, that five o'clock happy hour feeling after work or something like that. You know, and, you know, I think it is really important to give it a go. And also... 
you're not stopping drinking for a month because I don't drink when I'm asleep and I don't drink in the morning and I don't drink at lunchtime and I don't drink in the early afternoon. And to be honest, once I've got to about eight, I'm fine. For me, it's really about not drinking between 5pm and 8pm. So if you look at it like that, it's I've only not got a I've only got to not drink for three hours a day. Yeah. Anyone can do that. Yeah. But there may be very exciting special dry January content from the Moon Underwater. We can say no more at this stage, but we can wet your whistle with a non-alcoholic beer for potential Moon Underwater content dry January related. And that's all I'm going to say. My lips are sealed. But they're not, because they are about to uh, finish this third pint of Snowball. Hurry up, please. It's time. Every guest we have on the Moon Underwater has to name their pub. And we love the names. Robin, do we love the names? I bloody love the names. I loved Tony Blackburn's name, which was the... Was it Quiet But Fun? Yeah, the Quiet But Fun. (laughs) So nice. <laughs> Tony Blackburn. Such a sweetheart. He's such a gentleman. Um, uh, but this name really touched me. And also, it was nice to get in a selection from one of our favourite guests, which is a beer writer and journalist and judger in competitions, uh, Emma Inch, who I think it's safe to say Robin and I didn't know a huge amount about before we spoke to her. But it's it's one of my very, very favourite episodes. And Emma is so thorough. She's so engaging, not just about beer and cider, but also about, you know, the politics of pubs and of drinking. And I, I was I really wanted to have her choice of barring, uh, which was, you know, uh, exclusion and bigotry, which is you know, should be all of our first choice for barring things from pubs. But all of Emma's choices warrant featuring on this episode. But we've decided to go for her choice of name. OK, so lockdown's been pretty hard or was pretty hard. And uh, uh, as I said, I was a, I was a shielding person. My partner's a doctor. Um, we have an eight year old daughter. Everyone's lockdown was hard in different ways, but um We had these number of different uh, challenges and although it's been an absolute joy to have a child with us, it's also been a bit of a challenge in keeping her occupied for months and months on end. And, you know, she's as much of a pub lover as I am. So, uh, you know, throughout the kind of uh, the whole, you know, year and a bit or whatever it's been, uh, we've had, you know, as well as the Christmas in December, we had a Christmas in June. We had a Halloween party in April. We had a dinosaur theme weekend. We had all these things where we had to get dressed up and do weird things. But one of the things we enjoyed most was creating a beer garden in the garden. And, you know, initially it was just for us, but at the, in the little point where we could have other people around, we invited people around to our pub. We kind of upgraded a little bit. We got a gazebo as it came into autumn 2020. And uh, so we got this gazebo. We could have some of the sides open. We got heaters. We got little fairy lights going around it. And um, my daughter loved making a little menu. Um, you know, one of the things she's missed from pubs, I keep saying, what, what do you miss then? What is it? She's like, the chips. I just want the chips. And, uh, <laughs> we have chips at home here, but the ones in the pub are so much better. So she made this little menu of what people could choose from. And we made these prices that went down the side, which were ridiculous, you know, 
burger and chips, £17, apple juice, 5p. Um, so we had all these, you know, these beautiful menus we printed. And, uh, you know, so I, I said to her, well, we've got to have a name for our, you know, our gazebo pub beer garden thing. And without hesitation, she just said, well, it's called the Blue Fox. I've no idea where she got that from. Uh, and I, I even Googled it that I can't see any other pubs in the UK called the Blue Fox. So my pub will obviously be called the Blue Fox. What else would it be called? That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful origin story of your pub's yeah. name. Oh, man, I want to go there right now. <laughs> that was Emma Inch describing the backstory behind the choice of her name, the Blue Fox. And um, we, I think it's safe to say I actually miss Emma. I'd like to hang out with her more. Yeah. I mean, she's ba- is she based in Brighton? She is, she is based she, in Brighton, she, yes. We should do a little jaunt down there. That'd be great. I think we should definitely get to see Emma again. But Robin, what's playing us out of this festive review? Is it blushes, Robin? Is it blushes? It is blushes, John, because to play us out, it's the rendition Ollie Smith did live at the Moon Underwater in the summer of his brilliant song, Snow on the Borderline, with me accompanying him on the guitar. But before we play that... We would just like to say thank you for listening. And thank you to all of you who have supported us on Patreon over the last year. It's meant a great deal. But thank you to the entire family, the entire Moon Underwater family, all of you who gather here every week to enjoy a little space in your mind that's protected from the highs and lows, the turbulence of the other realm, and take solace in the correct realm, We enjoy so much welcoming people to the Moon Underwater and we wish you so much joy in 2022. We hope you have incredible publy moments with dear friends and family and loved ones. And we also hope you get in touch with us. So send us a missed mail to john at moonunderpod.com. But from me and from Robin, it's goodbye. Goodbye. And I'm, I'm, I'm completely unprepared to kind of sing in any real way, but we can let's, flummox let's about. Bit, yeah. yeah, feel free to join in. <laughs> yeah, you know the words. <laughs> I'm feeling dizzy. Lovely. I'm feeling high and low. I'm feeling giddy. Now it's time for you to go across the border. Leaving no sign of where you're going I can't believe you learned this To the snow on the borderline Used to be mine, 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 mine But the snow on the borderline You see the gist Communication, yeah baby was down at the first post my imagination wakes up the footprints of your ghost disappearing leaving no sign of where you're going now baby to the snow on the borderline used to be mine 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 But there's snow on the borderline Yeah, there's a massive guitar solo here, so we'll just have to do all this. Just I'll move around the stage like music, flowing. 
And did I just show things I shouldn't have shown you? I'm really sorry about that. I'll just sit down anyway. I'm feeling giddy. I'm feeling high and low. I'm feeling dizzy. Now it's time for you to go to the snow on the borderline. The snow on the borderline. Oh, I cracked a bit there. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> 